Hey everybody, it's Kyle. Welcome back to the podcast. The reason I'm jumping in here before we get started with Jose Cortez of Berto & Co., the uh, planner company, is because I want to let you know starting out that this is going to be our first two-part episode. Uh, we had such a great conversation with Jose uh, that it lasted almost an hour and a half. And we want you to d- digest this in small chunks, his story and what he's doing for the teaching craft. So, uh we're going to break this up into two separate episodes. You're going to get the first half today, and in a couple of days, we'll give you the second half. But I wanted to make sure that you knew that um, going into it. I didn't want to just leave you hanging at the end and kind of have it cut off. So uh, this is the first half of our conversation with Jose Cortez, and we really hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. I am joined by my co-host, Wilkie V. Law III. Will, what's going on? Yeah, you know, we're, uh, you know, up here in Wisconsin, I, you know, this was the first day we had to turn the AC on like in, I don't know, five or six days because it got into the mid 70s. (laughs) That was a joke right there. That was, I was, I was kidding. I was, I was joking there. So, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So we are, we are super excited uh, and thrilled to have Jose Cortez with us on the podcast today. Jose, thanks for taking some time for us. Hey, guys. Thank you so much. I'm just so honored and excited that you guys reached out to me, and um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you guys yeah. so much. Yeah, I. Uh, we were talking a little bit prior to recording. I. It's how it's crazy how quickly I unacclimated to the heat once I got back to Wisconsin. Like, if, if it gets into the 80s now that I'm in Wisconsin, I'm like, this is too hot. I'm not doing anything. And, you know, back, back, back living in Houston, if it was in the 80s, you were, like, staying outside all day. So, uh, yeah, but we're super, super excited for, uh, to have you, Jose, and to be able to talk a little bit about uh, organization, especially, and planning, because uh, Will can attest that those are two things that I'm, I'm not especially good at. Um, I, I struggle on both of those fronts. So we're, uh, I know that you're going to pour a lot into our listeners, but, but for myself, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it too. That's awesome. I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah. So Will, you want to just give them the rundown of, you know, what the podcast is about? Absolutely. Um, well, initially when we started the podcast, we started with the premise of giving teachers, um, giving an authentic voice to the teaching craft of what's actually going on in the classroom. We see it all the time on the news. Most of the stuff that's being reported is is pretty negative. And so we wanted to kind of create an atmosphere where teachers can actually hear that there there are good things that are going on despite the negative. And then um, through, you know, halfway through the recording, we kind of like, hey, we need to include other teachers and get other voices to come in to, uh, to talk to them and kind of get them you know, to give their, their, their point of view from their perspective. And it's been, I mean, when I say it's been crazy the last, um, what, six to seven months, it's yeah. been, like, really crazy. The, the overwhelming response we've gotten from educators and teachers who are, who are being, you know, having their, their craft transformed and better because of the voice that we're, uh, you know, putting out to them in this, in this medium. So we're happy and excited now that we can add you to that list and, being a fellow Texan, you know, it's always great to interview fellow Texans who, who know the struggle <laughs> of Texas teaching. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and 
And so, so we're really excited to have you here and to be a part of this uh, this community that we're building. Oh, I really appreciate that. I have listened to many of the podcasts that you guys have had, and several of the the interviewees are, are actually good friends of mine. And so it's uh it's just an honor to be um be included on that list and and um and to support what you know what you guys are doing and and the uh the amazing uh um you know things that you guys are bringing to the education world making us look um look at the good side of it rather than focusing on the negativity yeah yeah absolutely all right so we're gonna just go ahead and jump right in and so for our listeners can you go ahead and give us the story of how and why you became a teacher Okay, great. So it's actually um, it's a two part story. So uh, it's a little bit lengthy. I hope that that's okay. But um, but yeah. Uh, so uh, ever since I was young, I have always been. Uh, I've just always loved school. I've always loved uh, being in school. I've loved the community feel of it. I've loved the and specifically the create the creativity that goes on, um, inside of a classroom. And so, um, first and foremost, there's that, but, um, I would say that, so back when I was younger, I grew up, um, kind of going back and forth from Mexico and Texas with my grandparents who lived in Mexico, but, uh, I didn't have the, the easiest childhood. And I think that that is, uh, something that really shaped my love of, of school. Um, because when I was younger, when, when I was in first grade, my, uh, my mom had met, you know, my, had met a man and, um, they, uh, they never got married, but they were, um, living together. They had, um, little brother was born from from that relationship but this man was very um verbally and physically abusive to all of us and um me and my my older brother and my mom and we were living in that situation for years um I don't think that my mom realized uh, the damage that it was doing on us um, until much later. But um, it was, you know, it was it was a hard situation, and um, living through that. And school was always my safe haven. I felt comfortable. I felt safe at school, and that's where I would kind of go to, you know, just get away from all of that. And so I always remember that my memories from school were much more than just going somewhere and um, learning, but it was somewhere where I felt safe and I felt happy um, and, and taken care of. So, um, so yeah, so uh, that was, you know, up until fourth grade, uh, you know, that's kind of the situation that I was living in. And uh, I just remember, I mean, I still have bad dreams about a lot of that, of that, of the things that happened and the things that I saw and the things that I saw my mom go through. And, um, you know, it's been something that I've had to deal with and, and live with. And I've, um, you know, I've definitely, um, you know, step forward and, and put that behind me but um it's kind of in a, in a sense like I guess you could say that it helped fuel me to live a better life for myself um so anyway um 
but yeah, that was kind of uh, one of the initial uh, reasons that I fell in love with school itself is just because of the nurturing atmosphere and how comfortable and safe I felt going to school. Um, so that's the first part. You guys can still hear me, right? Oh yeah, you're good. Yeah. You're good to go. Okay, I'm getting like a little bit of feedback, um, so I'm just wondering. But um, but yeah, and then um, after that, I um, we ended up. My mom ended up separating from him. We ended up moving to Mexico for a few years, and I lived with my grandparents, and and things just got a lot better. So um, you know, thank goodness for that. But um, I would say that the reason I ended up becoming a teacher falls back um, about like seven, eight years ago. I, um, I've been with my now, now husband. We've been together for about 10 years. Um, but about four years ago, he, uh, he had heart failure and he was in a medically induced coma for like three weeks. Um, it was one of the most traumatizing times of my life. And, um, and I'm getting, I'm getting to somewhere with the story, by the way. No, you're <laughs> um, good. But, but, you know, it was one of those things where at the time I had actually, I had, I had a bachelor's in, in marketing and advertising is, is what I ended up getting uh, from the University of Ar- uh, Texas at Arlington. Um, and I, spe- I specialize in graphic design, but I really wasn't uh, doing any work that I was passionate about. I was working part-time for um, a mortgage company, doing marketing for them. It was just just uh it was just one of those jobs that you know you're in a cubicle all day and you have very little interaction with people and it wasn't very satisfying to me so um anyways but at the time like I said um my now husband was uh you know just just randomly had this virus that attacked his heart and he was how he had uh, heart failure. Um, he was about to be placed on the heart transplant list, and you know it was just uh, a very just depressing and critical time. Um, luckily, he was able to, um, you know, he survived that. He was able to overcome that, and it was one of those moments that, <clears throat> whenever he, um, whenever we kind of, um, you know, whenever we progressed from that, we both kind of vowed to just live every day to its fullest and it's one of those things that kind of you know wakes you up in your in your tracks and just makes you realize how um life is so short and 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 you need to make the most of it so anyways um i just was not happy with my job i had always thought about going into the classroom i just never gave that that to myself and um and it was um, shortly after that, actually, that that happened. I was invited to a Thanksgiving lunch with a friend of mine. She was going to go have Thanksgiving lunch at her child's school, and uh, she asked me if I wanted to go, and I said sure. So we went to this elementary school to have uh, Thanksgiving lunch with her daughter, and I I just remember 
walking into the school and just like it just like this flush of emotions just uh, surrounded I hadn't I hadn't actually been in an elementary school since I was in elementary school and so I can't even describe to you the feeling that it like the warmth and the um energy that I got from that was just um amazing and um and that's basically the point when I decided like oh my gosh, this, I remember this, I want this, and um, this is what I want to do. So I, um, I I came back that day, I told um, Sean, my husband, I told him, I was like, I want to go back to school, I want to be a teacher, that's what I want to do, I'm done doing, um, you know, what I'm doing now, and so anyway, one thing led to another, and I, I went back, I got my master's in education, and I became a teacher, and it was one of the best decisions I've made, so, so yeah, that's my story of how I became a teacher, and it was through all of that that led me into the classroom. Jeez. That's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I, always, I always love the response we get from this question because it shows the varied and the diverse diversity that makes up the teaching craft. Yeah. You know, even between Kyle and I, you know, I went through Texas Teachers uh, to get certified in an alternative certification program. Kyle was an education major. So we kind of, you know, we kind of see it from all over. And it's just interesting to see other people's path into the craft. How yeah. it's not always it's not always scripted like you know you would think it should be you know you educate it's major in education and then come out and you get a teaching job sometimes you just have to realize that you know there's a stronger calling on what on my life and what I'm doing mm-hmm. and just gotta be you know responsive to that call and just and just answer it. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I and I think you know what what really struck me from your story was was the initial part of you know going back and forth and you know the way you grew up is you know i i grew up in a very small town wisconsin sheltered life and then my first teaching job was in houston you know with i think i kids who went through a lot of what you went through and and just coming back around to the fact that you know you're in the classroom with such a diverse skill set but also such a diverse experience and a real understanding of what a lot of these kids go through especially you know the 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 kids who are you know maybe first generation or um you know second generation or or doing that back and forth and and I guess maybe it's it's a little off topic but I guess I would love to hear you know you being that that was your reality what do you see you know with what's happening with our immigration and, and how do you think it's impacting, you know, kids, you know, when they get into schools, I mean, you don't have to get political, but you know, what is that like when you're, you know, when you're a kid and there's that not knowing and you know, the, the going back and forth. Cause I, I know as a teacher, when I first saw it, I didn't understand it. And I don't think I ever could understand it cause I grew up very privileged, but I think the more people like me could understand and hear it from people who have experienced it, it would be good. So if you could just talk a little bit about that, that'd be really, really amazing. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, I, I will say that, you know, I was very fortunate that when I went to, when I was, uh, when I had decided to go, go, uh, school to be a teacher, I, and I went to UNT, uh, University of North Texas, um, the program that I got into offered, um, you know, bilingual certification, and that's something that I didn't have, uh, 
I was in, in bilingual classes when I grew up, and the idea of it just I was amazing to me that that was now something that you know was very common, especially here in Texas, that was offered um, to to students and and you know in all areas. And uh, so um, when they approached me to see if I would be interested in, in that program, I immediately jumped to it. I was really excited and. Uh, you know, uh, knowing that I could relate to students um, that were Hispanic or, or that were, uh, you know, of a diverse background just really inspired me even more. Um, so when I when I applied at, in Keller and I and I got my, my job, uh, what I've been doing the past four years, um, is working with bilingual students. So I, I've been a bilingual math and science teacher. So I teach in Spanish and in English. And all of my students are Hispanic um, and come from, you know, like you're saying, uh, first and second generation. So I I was able to really relate to them and, and I knew what they were, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I was able to connect with them in that way. And I, I shared uh, some of my story with them several times so that they knew that they, that, you know, there, there was uh, success in their lives and that there was, um, you know, there's always hope and things like that. But, um, you know, I mean, even this past year with a lot of things that have happened, a lot of things that they have heard in the news and with a lot of the political things, I mean, even though they are young, it's very present in their lives and they, um, they definitely feel very passionate about it because they have family that's being affected by it and so um i mean i know from i mean just from talking to them how much it affects them and you know it's not easy to you know it's not easy to go to school and you know sit three hours taking a standardized test when you know that there's so much more that's going on in the world and with your family and with your culture and stuff so um I mean, I, I can, I can say, um, you know, that, that just from, from my experience being with, with my students, that, uh, it definitely is something that affects them. And, you know, a lot of the things that I did in my classroom, I tried to, um, you know, to nurture that, that just to make them feel, um, safe to make them feel like they had a place where they could open up and talk about things and uh anyways um and yeah so i I appreciate the question because it's definitely something that and even more so now with all of this that's going on i feel that um you know it definitely frightens them it makes them um you know think that you know they could possibly it could possibly be that you know it could possibly be a family member and as a kid you know that's very traumatic when you're trying to uh just go and be a kid and learn and and develop yourself I mean that's just something that nobody should have to think about or worry and um and it's just unfortunate that that's what's going on so yeah yeah yeah, you know, the school that I left, um, I taught it last year, we were uh, about 70 to 80% um, Hispanic. And we had one of the largest populations in our district of fifth and sixth grade students who were recent arrivals into the country. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a different dynamic um, because some of these kids, you know, had, had not been in school for two years. You know, and then they come here just because of their age and where they left off at, 
they were placed in the fifth grade. So, you know, you have those gaps in learning plus the gaps in language. And, I did, you know, I did, we did a great job. We had a phenomenal bilingual team that worked with our kids and really, you know, pushed them to explore language and explore their language. And one of the things I know I did as an African-American teacher is that I, want, I, I challenged them to teach me Spanish. And you know, I'm like, you know, because I think that when you can speak to a person in their own language and communicate with them, it shows them that, that, you, that you're really there for them more so than anything. Um, and when you're making those efforts. And like I say, with those kids, I, they, they saw me as, as an ally, as someone who was there for them originally, you know, authentically, not just. It wasn't about a score because they were not, I was not a teacher of record. I was just interested because I wanted them to be successful. And I think yeah. that when you pour that into them, I mean, it makes a big difference, especially for kids who come from not having a lot. You know, and I have to add something to that, too, because um, uh, that makes a great point. I actually had a student this past year who I had several students who had come from Puerto Rico because of the hurricanes that and all of the devastation. And so many of these students are uh, and one of them in particular, you know, I mean, they're coming um, scared and they're coming um you know, to live a better life, but there, it's not something that was their choice. And so when it's, when that's the case, um, sometimes, you know, they're not prepared or they weren't, um, I, I wouldn't say that they're not happy, but, um, I did have a few of my students, one of them in particular, who was kind of, uh, defiant. I mean, she, she didn't want to acclimate. She didn't want to learn the language. She wanted to go back home. You know, and, um, and, you know, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, they, they, when they don't have that, that choice, when they're pretty much forced away from their home and forced to be in a new area and learn a new language, um, you know, that can be very difficult for them. And so, you know, it is very good to, like you're saying, it's to pour into the students and to make them feel um, safe and to make them feel like, you know, they're okay and it's it's going to be fine. And, and you know what, I'm here for you and you can teach me your language as well. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be this way all the time. So anyways, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, I said, and you know, I, I said, I, I, I want to put a little plug here because this is, I, you know, I, Colin, I always believe that everything happens in its own time. Yeah. And I believe that uh, when I first moved back to Houston, one of the first jobs that I got was working for the company now that's getting a lot of slack, uh, Southwest Key Programs, mm-hmm. um, because they're housing a lot of the immigrants that are coming in. Well, Oh, wow. When I first moved to Houston, you know, 12 years ago, uh, well, actually 13, 14 years ago, that was one of my first jobs. And I worked with them, and they, they had, they've been having that program for unaccompanied minors because we had so many kids that were coming over across the border without their parents and getting, you know, getting caught. And instead of just dumping them back on the other side of the border, they had a really good program in place. I mean, the kids came in, they, they took classes. We had certified teachers that came in and worked with them throughout the day. They had uh, language specialists that would work with them to teach them English. They had specialists that would work with us to teach us Spanish so we can communicate with them. Um, you know, some of those kids got their first pair of tennis shoes with us. You know, we had incentive programs. We had a, we, built, we built a little soccer field for them so they could actually start 
you know, playing soccer because so many of them wanted to play soccer and they were kicking stuff around the, you know, around the building that we actually built a place, you know, adjacent to the property for them to actually, you know, express this this love for the game that they that they have. Yeah, and I think that all of that for me then that empathy that I built and the compassion that I built during that time watching these kids, I was able to connect with these other kids. And it was almost as if, even if I didn't tell them, they knew it was authentic. Oh, yeah. They knew yeah. it came from a place of, it's not just me doing this because this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a teacher. This is what I do. No, it was from a real place that connected with them. And I think that that makes a difference when we're working with our kids. So I agree. I agree. 100%. Awesome. So, what, to you, what is the value of a great teacher? Okay, so um, I, I mean, I believe it's it's kind of in, immeasurable in a sense because I think that, I mean, teachers uh, just, I mean, they hold so much value and for a lifetime, you know, I think that um, as a teacher, you, you hold this, almost this responsibility to, um, you know, to instill a lot of things into into students and um you know you're able to echo knowledge and passion and encouragement um throughout their lifetime so i think that um i mean that's pretty invaluable if you think about it uh because uh, you're shaping people into becoming um you know into becoming um better better people and to becoming themselves so um, so that's kind of what I think. Mm-hmm. I like to say making them better people. When I was, uh, we were out in Las Vegas, um, I, I was on my way from the airport, the Uber driver and I were talking, and I asked him the question, uh, who was his favorite teacher and why? And when he shared it with me, he was like, you know, my favorite teacher back then was a teacher who taught me how to just be a good person. He goes, why don't we teach that in school anymore? Why is that not important that we just teach kids to be good people? Yeah. That by itself can change the world. And and I said, you know, that that is the goal and objective of teaching. You know, it's unfortunate that that everyone doesn't echo that importance. There's no mm-hmm. there's no test that we can give to to, to quantify that data. You know, to say yeah. yeah. What, so you know, it's like, but that is ultimately what we want. to them and 
Um, you know, and I was bullied and, and I, and I, and I suffered from that. And I feel like had, you know, had some of these people been taught, you know, kindness and been taught, you know, how to respect other students, you know, I, maybe, maybe it would have been a little different for me. And, and it, and it just makes me wonder, you know, and think about all of the other kids who go through, through similar things and, and how, you know, as teachers, we, we really could make such a difference, um, you know, by focusing on that and in, in, in our instruction and not just, you know, teaching them content and, and lessons. So, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is your take on the state of education today? Well, um, you know, I think um, obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, like we said, there's a lot of uh, focus on, you know, negative uh, uh, negative aspects, like, you know, like the state testing and things like that. But honestly, I think that, you know, recently there's been this huge just energy wave that's come through with, uh, you know, I mean, and, and the social media has actually helped out a lot with that. Um, you know, I'm being a part myself, being partnered up with uh, Get Your Teach On, um, like these huge teacher, uh, you know, education revolution type uh, conferences and and um, and just things that that are happening. Um, I think that it really it's bringing a positive energy and uh, something that's much needed to our field, and so um, obviously I could sit here and you know and talk about you know some of the things that yeah as teachers we we tend to focus on that are that are you know that are negative and that we don't really um like like you know like i said day testing but i think that it's important to 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 also realize that there's so much good that's happening right now that um that you know is affecting our students in such a great way so I think that it's great. I think that there's some really great things happening, and I'm excited to see where it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the fact that you said there's huge energy waves. Mm-hmm. Um, the other morning in my meditation, I I envisioned myself as a single atom and moving with my energy and collecting other atoms, and it was just it was such a great visualization. And I think when you said that, I connected with it because I said, we're a part of that movement. And yeah, for us to really start doing what we're doing at the time that we're doing it, it was like optimal time. to It was needed to, to, to kind of shine a light on, on what, what's happening. So people can realize there are great teachers out here that are busting their hump and that love what we're doing despite what we're going through. Exactly. Despite how you're viewed, despite how you're, we're portrayed in, in, in the mainstream media, that we're still here doing what we do because of the children at the end of the day. Yes. Of the I love that. Yes, I love that. Uh, all right, so what is your, what's your personal philosophy of education? Well, I, I really think that, I mean, my philosophy has always been teaching the whole child. And it's just really teaching, um, just like we were saying, uh, focusing on more than just the more than just what's you know on the lesson plan itself in terms of like the standards that we're teaching, but just really focusing on 
every aspect of the of your students. And so, um, I mean, when I started uh, my my social media venture um, and and meeting a lot of uh, people that are like in this in this huge uh, you know inner energy wave of, of positivity, it really has helped me with that. Just because it's exactly the kind of energy that I want to bring into my classroom with students. So I think that. Um, I would say that my philosophy, like like I said, is just teaching the whole child and just focusing on um, how to bring authentic authenticity into my classroom, being transparent with my students, um, helping them, um, you know, learn about themselves, learn about um, how to become, you know, like we said, better people, and uh, and then after that you know, like building that relationship with them. And then after that, teach them and, 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 and build their, their knowledge on the content, because I think it's so important to address those relationships with your students before, um, you can actually, you have to be able to connect with them and make them feel that you trust them and that they're, they're, you know, they're in a safe place before you can really get them, um, to, to learn the content. So, yeah, that's and, my philosophy. And I really, you know, we're we're big proponents, and you know, the strange thing is, it's not. I shouldn't say it's strange, but the thing is, authenticity, vulnerability, relationships. I don't think we've had a podcast where where the teacher hasn't emphasized that. But I, I think with you, what I what I really admire, and I think probably what impacts your kids is just, you know, like you said, with your husband's, you know, health scare. I think I would venture, I guess, to say that you have a really, like you said, a good perspective on life and those things. And and I think, you know, having that perspective, whether it was, you know, for for myself, you know, moving. I when I moved to Houston, I didn't know anyone, but I was I was committed to taking a teaching job, so that gave me a different perspective. And you know, Will has plenty of experience, whether it's you know with his daughter or, um, you know, as you know, a, a music producer, whatever it is that I think just that little bit of perspective. And I think that's so important because the more we can put the world into perspective for our kids and, and like you said, build that relationship with some perspective, I think it's so important because like you said, there's, there's so much that is kind of on the periphery for our kids, but that relationship piece is so important. And, and I think no matter who you are, if you're not authentic with your kids, that relationship will never develop as strongly as it could. Exactly. I agree. Thank you. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So shifting gears a little bit. Um, I know this is something you can help both me and Kyle. This will be my first year going back into the classroom. Okay. I left for three years going, uh, well, I didn't leave school. I was a, uh, math instructional coach for three years and now I'm going back to the classroom to serve students again directly and um, so from your teaching and business experience what do you think is the biggest organizational challenge teachers face today? Okay so this is a great question I feel like in terms of, of our career it's critical sometimes or often if not always um to have some sort of organizational 
plan, some sort of um, sense of organization, because there is so much that we're juggling uh, just day to day, if not hourly. And, um, you know, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I think that, um, you know, if you're not already an organized person, you know, hashtag the struggle is real. And I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't uh, particularly, um, you know, in terms of organ- organization, I mean, there's the different kinds of organizing, I would say, but in terms of like organizing my day and organizing, you know, my, my calendar and things like that, that is something that I struggled with before, but I had to kind of teach myself how to, to keep myself organized. So, um, I think that one of the struggles really is just that is juggling all of the things and, and prioritizing yourself and, and figuring out um how to keep yourself in check and how to keep yourself organized and so one of the reasons that I came out with uh developed and and created my planner was really I mean initially it was just for myself I never thought that it was going to become what it became um and it was really just because I wanted to keep myself organized and and have everything that I needed in one place and uh you know if you are able to to do that and 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 take one less thing off of your plate um i mean that's just you have more time to like pour into your classroom into your students because you're not having to worry about um you know where did i write this down what time am i supposed to do that where is this uh information at how can i uh, where, where can I uh, document, you know, this parent-teacher conference and, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of uh, probably more than you were asking. But I think that, uh, that that's what that one, of the organi- one of the things that, that teachers uh, may struggle with, uh, keeping themselves organized. And, and you, you said the key word for me is, is prioritization. Like, I, I, by nature, I'm not... I, I have a hard time seeing things sequentially. Like I can't just, I can't just make a list. It, you know, I kind of have this pattern, but I, I really, you know, struggled early in my career and still to some degree of prioritizing the tasks. And I think like you said, when you get a, a planner or a, a system of organization that works, it makes it so much easier to prioritize and say, okay, this needs to get done. Um, yeah you know, first, second, third. And I think also one of the one of the things I learned and, and maybe you can elaborate on this too is when you really prioritize, you start to see that there are maybe some things that just don't need to get done at all. Like there I, I felt like and maybe it was just to make myself feel good that I could check things off the list, but I was almost writing things down just to make myself feel good that I checked them off the list. They weren't things that really needed to do. <laughs> to a lot of conferences and I'm lucky to have been able to talk to people and and learn how they organize themselves and you know I will say that that is something common that people do that I mean it does feel good to be able to write something down and check it off immediately because you know that you took care of it um so I totally I know I know how that feel like that feeling and stuff like that um but I will 
say too, I think that, I mean, especially, especially for first year teachers, I knew this was the case for myself in terms of prioritizing. Um, it is difficult because you don't know, you know, when you're a first year teacher, second year teacher, um, well, I mean, second year teacher, you kind of have got a little bit more grasp, but when you're a first year teacher coming into the, you know, the school year, everything sounds so important and you, you panic because you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get this done now. Um, you know, and then you start to realize that there are things that one could wait, uh, two, you could, you know, you could have somebody else help you with that, you know, um, or three, you know, it's, it's more of just a conversation rather than, you know, this big elaborate thing that you need to do, you know, you do start to sense, uh, and to, to realize how to prioritize yourself. So, I mean, I think it's something that everybody just kind of has to go through, but once you, uh, once you realize what and take priority, you know, um, it, it just becomes so much easier for you to be able to, you know, list those things like first to second, third, and, and, and build your list, uh, from, from day to day or week to week. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's critical. And I think, I think for me, I was, I was great at organizing my lessons and organizing the things for my kids. I was not so great at organizing my days. And I would give this illusion that I was super organized because I knew everything, you know, I knew every, I had a handle on what I was doing in the class at those moments. But as far as planning out my day and scripting out, and I still struggle with that. I mean, I'm better now going through my master's degree really teaches you how to budget your time. <laughs> And, you know, doing my doctor, I'm in my doctoral program now, another time, you know, critical time management is critical, but at the same time, there's still areas that it's not consistent across the board. And that's my goal is to make, to have that transference, the same thing our kids struggle with. I learned in one thing, but then when I see the same thing in another area, I, I lose it. I want to work on it. My goal is to have that transference of all of those skill sets across all areas of my life in order to just enhance every 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 aspect of it. Yes. And yes. I think it'll be it'll make things more believable for kids too when they see that you're walking the walk with them, you're not just talking to them. Mm. Yes. Exactly. Hey everybody, Kyle here again. Just wanted to make sure that I reminded you that this is a two-part episode. So in a couple days, you'll be able to catch the second half of this conversation with Jose Cortez. But in the meantime, go check him out uh, online or um, on his website, bertoandco.com. And, and just really take a look at what he's doing because we're, we're so excited for you to hear more about the business in the next episode. So please check him out and make sure you tune into the next episode, which will be out in a couple of days.